Hello and welcome along to the Three Amigos FPL podcast. I'm Kylie, your host for tonight, and you can find me on Twitter at KylieFPL. I'm joined, as always, by my amigo Mars, who you can find at Mars05, and Don, who you can find at The Marple Curse. Also, make sure you're following our group account at Three Amigos FPL. In this Getting to Know You mini-series, we've interviewed FPL managers from all over the world, as it's our mission to let our listeners get to know the person behind the FPL accounts we interact with every week. To do that, we've come up with 20 questions which will reveal exactly who they are. And with us tonight, we've got a legend of the game, an OG of the FPL community as we know it today. You know him as the founder of Fantasy Football Scout and from his years on the Scoutcast and, of course, this season on FPL Black Box. It's none other than Mark Southerns, and you can find him these days on Twitter at FFScout underscore Mark. So, Mark, you're very welcome to the show. Are you ready to bear your soul to the FPL community? Hi, guys. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I am really looking forward. I mean, I'm intrigued by the questions. Some are the, the ones that are most difficult are the ones you'd least expect. So I'm looking forward to the challenge of answering your questions. They always, uh, they're always the ones that trip you up, the, the seemingly easy ones. Indeed, yeah. And in fact, I think our first one is kind of one of those, but it's my favourite question anyway. So we'll we'll roll with that one. If you weren't human, which animal would your personality match best and why? Yeah, this is one of the harder ones, isn't it? It was like, um, animal. It, it didn't take too long, actually. Um, my my partner said, oh, could you not say Eeyore? Because she always calls me Eeyore because of the old, I'm, I'm quite miserable uh, most of the time. <laughs> and um, But I can't have that. So uh, I've gone for a meerkat because uh, that was another animal that she suggested. Um, and I was like, because basically I'm always looking for things to go wrong. I'm always looking for threats and stuff like that. Um, in life, I'm generally a warrior and I just look for the next thing that could go wrong. And it probably won't go wrong, but I'm always looking out for it. And I kind of like, well, am I really a meerkat? So I Googled today what the characteristics of a meerkat was. And then when I read that, I was like, yeah, this is this is me. Basically, it, it, apparently they're quite talkative. Uh, one day and then completely shut off and aloof the next and that is very much me as well like you can speak to me on one day and I'll be really up really happy and then the next day if I'm really busy or stressed by something or worried by something I'll be really down and close a closed book so it's definitely a meerkat which I you know until you asked me this question I've never thought of myself as a meerkat so thanks very much now, now you know uh, meerkats are awesome and you've got a Disney reference there and everything so I mean that, that's a pretty good one yeah and I know where to go for my insurance and stuff like that as well don't <laughs> <I>? <laughs> it's it's a different one what I love about this is we always get we seem to get different animals um, which is it, it's really interesting how, how much people think about it it's, it's brilliant we just thought they'd all be um, dog answers Mark that everyone would go well I'm a dog or well, I'm I know. a cat or something Jules Breach was um, was a goat I don't know did you listen to her episode but um, yeah she's she was a goat um, was her spirit animal yeah she did say she, she was trying to get her the fact that she was the greatest of all time and all that it was a good reference though I mean a goat wouldn't be the animal that I'd associate with Jules but there you go it was, it was a good one now Mark question two is how and when did you first get into FBL and football in general so we want to find out what kind of team you support because um, I don't, I think you pretty much keep that under your hat. Do I? Oh, okay, right. Well, I'm going to tell you now. Um, I'm a Forest fan actually, um, and um, yeah, that goes back a long, long way. Um, so I first got into football. It's a story here. My dad used to be a 
uh, a manager of a child's football team. And it just so happened the football team was my age group as well, but I was never any good at football. So I couldn't get into my father's team, which is kind of sad and probably did scar me for life. And looking back, that's probably had an effect on me. But so basically what I what I did, because I couldn't play football well enough to get my father's attention, I just learned about football. And um, so I discovered like Rothman's football yearbooks when I was seven, eight years old, I reckon. And, you know, I was just intrigued by these massive books, encyclopedias of football and started reading them. And I just wanted to learn and consume football knowledge just to get my dad's attention so that when we watched Question of Sport back in those days, I could answer more questions than he could. Um, And just take him by surprise a bit with that. Uh, And then. It was my dad's best friend who convinced me to support Forest. I was originally an Arsenal fan. I had I had someone bought me an Arsenal mug when I was a kid and my mother used to use it to wash my hair with, to kind of rinse my hair with. And one one fateful night, she dropped it in the bath and it smashed. And my dad, who was a Fulham fan, said, right, that's it. He can't support Arsenal anymore. We've got to choose a new team for him. And it was 1977, 78. And my dad's best friend was round that evening just for drinks or whatever maybe there's a match on but and they chose well they wanted me to choose a team and I said well I have to wear red because I had like red everything because of Arsenal in my room my red curtains red bedspread and so we narrowed it down to Liverpool or Forest uh, who were the two big powers at the time and um, I chose Forest because of the badge because of the tree and um, yeah so (laughs) I think I made a mistake there I remember last year when I was looking at, at Henderson lifting the Premier League trophy, thinking, oh, God, what did I do? Um, I just but went for the have had their time. Oh, Forest yeah, I mean. Time. They, for me, like, you know, I would love to see them back in the Premier League now with Leeds back. And, you know, the, those 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 big, the big teams with the big fan, fan base, you know, the Forest, the Villa, the Leeds, mm. Liverpool, United. You know, you want them back, right? You, because... The, that's how I remember when I first started watching the Premier League is all those big teams fighting for everything. And obviously before that, for us in, in Europe, I mean, you've had you've had some good times, Mark. I yeah, know it's, I, it's tough yeah. times now. It was my one of my earliest memories of watching Forest was I came home from Cub Scouts and I was eating cola bottles out of my Cub Scout hat. And I watched John Robertson score the winner against Hamburg in the European Cup final. And I remember that. Obviously, obviously, it resonated with me at the time. But when I look back on that, I just didn't appreciate what I had then. You know, my team yeah, were, yeah. were, were titanium the European Cup. And obviously, looking back, it's amazing. But I didn't really wasn't really old enough to appreciate it then. Yeah. How, how did you feel last season? Like it was so close and the, the turnaround for it not to happen, at least to get into the playoffs, must have been a blow. Right? Yeah. It was literally on the last day with like a huge goal difference from what I remember. Yeah, but I kind of felt that we weren't playing well after lockdown and I didn't think we deserved to be in the playoffs anyway. I, I don't I didn't want more playoff agony. We wouldn't have got to the final or we would have gone out and we would have lost. We didn't deserve to go up. So I kind of think it was kind of fair justice, really, because we didn't make it because I didn't want the disappointment of the playoffs. I've experienced enough of that before with that. Oh, gosh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. So so as as for fantasy football, I mean, that kind of grew from my thirst for knowledge for football. And it kind of, when, when I first discovered, I mean, I remember at school, I used to run a, a kind of early version of fantasy football where me and my mates used to have to pick goal scorers for the weekend and you could pick one player who you thought would get a hat-trick and you got more points if you got a hat-trick so I was kind of playing that kind of game when I was at school and then I discovered Fantasy League um, and which I think it was in the Daily Telegraph at the time yeah yeah and I just left university I was in my first job and I was working with a lot of kind of like-minded young people and we 
I found about seven or eight others and we formed a little league and we met every month and we did uh, transfers and I was the chairman of the league and I loved it. You know, I was I was photocopying tables and stats even then. Yeah. And and then that we kind of broke up as a group of friends and then I didn't play fancy for years like, until uh, you know much later in my mid twenties um, and then or late twenties and then it was basically a friend that I met at my new job then who. He was kind of like a bit of it. It was Granville, basically, who I ended up hosting the scout cast with. He was a bit of a know-it-all, a bit mouthy about football. He thought he knew it all. And, um, There's always one. <laughs> yeah, you, you can tell. And so, Granville hasn't changed too much, has he? No, not at all. And, <laughs> you guys fancy one the other day, didn't you? Because I yeah. was actually listening to uh, to you guys talking about uh, way back when uh, the early days of the scout cast. Yeah. And I think he mentioned something about you always having a soft spot for Arsenal, but That's not right. mentioning that yeah. you used to support them. Yeah, this is it. That's why I've got a soft spot for them. I mean, yeah. Granville kind of just rubbed me up the wrong way. And I was like, right. <laughs> I, I, he, he was top of the fantasy league at work. And I thought, I'm going to start playing again. Not only am I going to start playing again, I'm going to win the league at work. Yeah. And then and then I just got upset. I got totally obsessed by it. And it was him, him that triggered it. It's all down to him. It's <laughs> funny how people start... Kylie started because people were mocking her knowledge of football, I believe, if I'm not wrong, Kylie. I know General Mark, he, mm. when we spoke with him, he said that it was uh, basically a friend, not, not a close friend, but somebody who was just uh, too, too much, you know, like talking too much and uh, said, oh, you never beat me, blah, blah, blah. And then he like mm. was second, far from him and then beat him or something. And just from then, it just became a fierce rivalry. It's, it's amazing how some, what, what gets you sometimes to play those games and then you're hooked and that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I, and I think fantasy football is seen, you know, it can be a kind of way of quantifying in points your football knowledge. I mean, of course it doesn't. I mean, people people who know a lot about football could be rubbish at fantasy football and vice versa. But there's something about when you meet someone who kind of go, right, I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to shut him up. Yeah. Fantasy football is a great way of kind of having that rivalry. Um, this sounds like a, a luck versus skill debate, Mark. We could be, we could be here for hours talking about this. <laughs> not not going to get into that. But that's how I started. And then, you know, obviously from that, like everything once I, I get into something I get into it in the extreme and it just led to Scout and, and obviously lots more from then on yeah well moving on to Scout I mean let's we, obviously we want to know about about it and you kind of touched on it but how did it really start and you must be proud of um, of uh, the Scout and, 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 and where it got to I mean it must be like you must be really proud and happy where it is right now yeah I mean it was it was just something it just ended up being that I was doing a lot of research for my own team. And one Christmas I was just very, very bored. I think it was snowing outside. And um, uh, my partner at the time, her mum said, oh, what would you want for Christmas? I said, well, get me a book on how to build a website, because I used to work in websites in the early days. And, um, you know, before before kind of this is like the MySpace days, even before that, before there was any social media or anything. Um, so I know a bit about how to build a website from that. But I'd lost touch with my skills. So I wanted a book to learn how to do that. And I thought, well, I'm going to do it about fancy football because that's what I'm spending a lot of time researching. So I just started writing. And not only I was a journalist back then as well. So I just started writing articles and seeing if anyone came. And then gradually, like I remember I used to get a lift to work with some friends of mine as I was building it. And I remember sitting in the car going, oh, 100 people came to my site this week. You know, I was looking at the traffic every day and, you know, then it was a thousand and then it was five thousand. And it was just growing ridiculously um, quick. And we had like a very loyal following. And yeah, it just it, it it wasn't meant to be any more than that. It was meant to be a, literally a blog, 
you know where I could put down what I was researching and and maybe help a few other people and that's all it was meant to be and then I was I remember once uh, a group of Americans who ran a fantasy site in the US contacted me and they offered me quite a large sum of money to give up my job and to buy 50% of the website off me and at that point I was like oh this is getting quite scary now it's getting proper serious so I got in touch with Chris James who was a friend of mine from my journalist days who was at the time he was he was publishing he had his own company and he was he'd done contract publishing so I spoke to him and said what should I do they're offering me quite a lot of money and he said um he looked at my traffic he said don't don't sell it to them sell it to me <laughs> so he gave me some money and we launched <laughs> the members area yeah I used that money to launch the members area and it suddenly turned from a blog into a into a business and then yeah, it got a bit out of control, like it took over my life, really, which is why I've stepped away from it now. Um, you know, it, I'm obviously very proud of what it has become, how it grew, but it was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be my full time job. Um, and, it, you know, I've, I went from I ended up you know, employing people and paying wages and having to worry about tax and all this kind of stuff and all the legal stuff you have to worry about when you run a business. And, and um yeah, it, it became quite stressful, to be honest. It wasn't the fun thing that I wanted it to be. But obviously, I'm proud of what it's become in the community and how great it's become as a as a place to go for people who play fancy football. That's brilliant. I mean, that, you know, it's, 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 it's great to, to, to see you so tra- transparent about it, because obviously, maybe for people listening and for us, like you'd imagine, oh, you know, with the scat, it must be just fun but i can imagine i can only imagine the amount of stress that comes with running something so huge and and having to look after like you said so many different people but yeah i mean listen it's one of the one of the best websites right now one of the the thing that most of us go to to start with and i know so many people now that write for the scout or talk about the Mm. scout or use the scout stats Uh, gold (laughs) imminent is very famous or well, yeah. let's watch the uh, let's watch the black box let's watch the scout stream you know it's 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 absolutely fantastic so great job to you and all the team it's uh, it it definitely helps with the uh, with this global phenomenon that is fpl absolutely yeah i'm watching it grow with with fantasy um you know obviously fpl was not small but it it started off with less than a million players and watching it grow and the site with it has been fantastic but you know the thing is i had I had a really good day job at the time and that, you know, I've gone back to that job now and, and scout, you know, I'm not part of that anymore. You know, I obviously contribute to it, but it's not, it's not my thing anymore. I stepped away from it. You know, there was family reasons, there was health reasons. And also I actually wanted to go back to my day job because that's a pretty fun job as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm playing and fancy football now and in the community now for the fun of it again, which, which is what, which is what it was meant to be basically. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of come full circle then. Now. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, but obviously, you know, I look back on everything I achieve of it, and I'm, I'm obviously very proud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so next question: um, How do you feel about being referred to as the goat of FPL by some? <laughs> and actually, I've got an extra question to add in here because this is something I think is hilarious. Um, the conspiracies uh, around you and your connection to the FPL powers that be. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it sometimes, you know, yeah. on Twitter. KDB got the assist. Oh, it's because Mark owns yeah, yeah. this whole thing. I mean, it must be bad. 
I mean, I mean, first of all, obviously, it's flattering to be referred to as the greatest of all time. It's ridiculous because I'm not. Um, I'm a I'm a good FBL manager who's played it a long time, so I've had some good seasons. I've had some awful ones as well. Not awful ones, but you know, some bad ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I, I did get connected to the game and the people who make the game because, um, you know, I remember a time when, when Scout was really taking off and the Premier League got in touch and said, look, you know, we need someone to write some articles for us. And I started doing some articles for the Premier League website. And then it as the game grew, my involvement with what they did grew as well. And I ended up, obviously, Scout ended up working directly with the Premier League. And, and I was doing, I was at the hub of that, you know, I was... Um, you know, I was in the F- is in the Premier League offices. I was working with the editorial team there um, every day, either remotely or in the office, and it was an amazing thing to to go from, you know, <laughs> building a website one Christmas to actually becoming your job and being in the Premier League office and meeting, you know, you know Zola and Shearer and and stuff like that. You know, it it was hard to take in, um, but yeah, I I got exposed to a lot of, you know proper you know amongst proper football writers and around football journalists and and I didn't dream for one minute that that's how it'd end up um so it was an amazing privilege and yeah I mean I I was always passionate about FBL um and I always once I started working with the guys behind the game I I did kind of let my feelings be known on the game um and you know sometimes maybe even sometimes I went a bit far with expressing my views of what I, how I thought the game was going and so on. Um, I'll tell you about an incident later on when you ask me another question. But I, I just think, yeah, it, it's funny looking back because obviously I was involved um, day to day of what went on in terms of writing editorial articles. People knew that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's ridiculous to say that I would um, change a decision based on a player in my team but I, I always look back at the tweets sometimes with amusement at that and I and I play up to it nowadays you know I, I go I, um in it but it's you know I, so, why not yeah why not? but it, it, it's funny I mean the thing is when I was when I was working you know uh, with the Premier League guys on the game and on the show and stuff like that I, I really cared about the integrity of the game and um, you know who was in my team didn't come into it I, I I love FBL right it's been a huge part of my life and so I want it to be as good as it can be and I've got some views on how the game should go what direction it should go in and I often let those views be known to the people who run the game but you know I um always I was always about making sure the decisions were right and fair and um you know it was never about who was in my team or who was in my mate's team or whatever so yeah, it was it's a funny thing to look back on yeah but sure like the i mean for the premier league they definitely want to use the experience of managers like yourself anyway for you know giving feedback on game improvements or anything like that from experienced managers is always going to improve the um the game in um in many ways like so i can imagine that um that it would prove valuable but um you've obviously mark been playing fbl for such a long time and you've been involved in so many things whether it's the scout or or on the official fbl um you know videos and you know as you said around the premier league offices but what's your kind of favorite memory in um from your fbl career shall we say to date um yeah, it's it's quite an easy one. It's it's Mane's hat trick for Southampton in 2015. He scored a hat trick in two minutes against Aston Villa. I think they won six one. Um, I was I was actually in 
I was in Waitrose, which is very middle class, getting my shopping uh, with my with my partner. And we were at the tills <laughs> and um, we were just we we're at that point where you're just unloading your shopping onto the conveyor there for the person to, to put it through. And uh, you were paying up and stuff. And I remember looking at my phone as we were putting the shopping down and getting paying for it. And I saw Manet had scored and um, and then we packed the shopping up uh, and I looked at my phone again. And he'd had a, he got a hat trick in the time it took us to put the shopping on the conveyor and get it packed away. He scored a hat trick. And um, my reaction in the shop, it was quite crowded. It was Saturday afternoon was um, pretty uh, inappropriate, I would say, for a father of two. And um, yeah, it was it was a crazy thing to happen, like to actually just glance at your phone and see the first goal go in. And then, and then two minutes later, you've seen your player's got a hat trick. It was crazy. And I'll never forget how that felt at the time. It's just many not. times, Mark, many times in children parties, I'm, I'm in the corner going, yes. And just people yeah. are looking at me, what's happened? And especially in the Vardy season, because I had him. And when he just kept scoring in every game, you know, the season left. The, and, and people just look at you going, what? And, uh, and then you always notice this other person in the room nodding at you. Yes, you play FPL too. Yeah, yeah, you catch, you catch <laughs> someone's eye. But the thing is, it's like, um, you know, it, it has become more acceptable. But if I look back to like when I first started playing, you know, fantasy football was kind of a thing that you kind of you hid your kind of obsession with it. You, you didn't kind of talk about it at, when you when you first meet people or, you know, or you, you don't you don't say it's my your hobby. But you do now. I think people do now. And in fact, there's been I've been come across. Absolutely. This, I think it's a nice break as well. Up. It's a nice break at work. Uh, people play together, managers, uh, employees. You know, uh, I've got I've got a league with with people above me at work, people who work for me, and it's it's fun sometimes at lunchtime, etc. Obviously, I feel sorry for those who don't play because sometimes it's just that's the conversation that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, you know, so expressing your uh, joy at your fancy football team in public has become more acceptable. But in two <laughs> yeah. in 2015, I'm not sure what level it was at, but not at the level that really forgave my behaviour at that time. Um, yeah. My partner wasn't very impressed, but it was a Manet hat-trick in two minutes. Come on. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, at th- yeah. Those, don't, those don't come about too, too no. often. So, Mark, if you, um, obviously, if you were given um, tactical advice to someone that's starting out in their FBL career, what would that be based on your experience? Um, yeah, OK, it's interesting. I, I think, I mean, I've, I'm learning quite a lot this season, actually, about... Um, looking closely at my decision-making process. I've been playing it a long time and only now have I started kind of considering why I make decisions and kind of, I know it sounds a bit sad, but I'm actually logging, you know, I'm almost making a diary each week of what was behind my decisions that week, what I was feeling, what I was thinking about. And I think that's quite a useful process to do. And I know that if you're just starting out, that might be going a bit too far, but it actually will really help you, I believe. So that's something I would certainly, if I was starting out again and talking to myself 15 years ago, that's what I would say. But also, I think, um, uh, try to be daring if you can. I mean, a lot of people say that they're cautious managers or they're maverick managers. Um, and I think you mentioned Mark, FBL general. I, I remember him once saying that, you know, he didn't think he would ever win FBL because he's not doesn't take enough risks. He's not he's not kind of kind of uh, maverick enough, if you like. He's much more pragmatic manager. Um, you know, he, that's rubbish. You can win it. He's a really good manager. But I do think if I was talking to someone who wanted to play for the first time, I would say try to be daring, try to take some risks. Don't don't kind of pigeonhole yourself as a manager who doesn't take risks i think if you're going to win fbl you you have got to take some risks i don't think you can win fbl by being slow and steady i think at some point you've got to 
you know go against the grain you've got to make some some decisions that others wouldn't make in order to win it obviously you need a lot of luck as well but i think you need that streak of being a daring fbl manager as well yeah that's fair no i agree i agree yeah absolutely okay so here's a here's quite a fun one um especially given what you were saying earlier about uh, views on the game um, so you're the boss at FPL for one day, and you can change one rule or feature in the game. What would it be? Yeah, it's easy for me, this. I've been pushing for this for a long time. Um, I'd, I'd have a fifth position. I've had a, I've, I'd add attacking midfielders. Um, I just think the game has evolved so much in the last five years um, in terms of the way teams set up tactically. And I think that FBL should reflect that now in the game. And, and we struggle every year in terms of, you know, we don't know, is Salo or Mane going to be a forward? Is he going to be a midfielder? And, and that's a symptom of that. You know, we don't, you know, opt to class Salo and Sterling as, as forwards um, and the FBL game class them still as midfielders, which I think is the right thing to do in the current structure that they've got. But if we introduced a fifth position, if we had, you know, centre forwards, attacking midfielders and midfielders, it would do many things that be good for the game. I think for a start, it would bring midfielders into the game, you know, players who um, who perhaps sit deep, you know, Rodgers and players like that who aren't players we'd even think about in our FBL teams, but actually we should because they're quality players. Um, but if you were forced to pick two of those or even three of those, and if they got extra points for clean sheets, then midfielders of that ilk, um, you know, Jorginho and Kante and players like that would suddenly come into your thinking because you'd have to pick some of them for your squad. And then also, you know, you'd have no problem classifying the likes of Salo and Mane and Sterling because they'd come into this attacking midfielder bracket and perhaps you could only have two of those. You know, and you have to have three midfielders and then two centre forwards or two forwards like Kane or Vardy. So I think a fifth position and complete reclassification of the attacking players would be a way I would go because um, I think it just reflects football today better. Mm, that'll be really, that'll be an exciting um, addition to it. I like it. Um, one thing actually, do you I wanted to ask you? Do you play other formats, Mark? Do you play like the Sky Game or um, or any of the other you know newspaper fantasy games? Or are you sticking primarily to FPL? I have dabbled, but I find that it's a distraction. And um, yeah, I, 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 I've never really no game has captured me. You know, I, I think FPL could be improved, but let's be clear, I think it's by far the best game out there. Um, in the when the way it's balanced and you know obviously there are games that you more or less take that rule set and apply it to daily fantasy and stuff but i've never really been interested in daily fantasy to play for money it's not you know i'm not interested in prizes it's not what, it's not what you're there no. for yeah yeah no is that no perfect um great stuff um next question we have number eight mark so you're flying along um describe yourself as an fpl manager in three words for us yeah um well passionate i would say um and, you know, I really care about the game and I really care about being an FBL manager and what that involves. Um, and I said I said earlier, you know, I think at times that passion has bowled over a few times. I remember when I first started writing articles for the Premier League, um, I had some views on a particular area of the game. Let's just say, um, yeah, let's not go into that. But I, yeah, I had a, and, and I was kind of talking to them and I, I you know, it was almost, I, I think I crossed the line with my views on it. You know, I was, I, I, not to say that I thought the game was threatened to be broken by the change, but I did feel the game had gone down a, 
the wrong avenue and it was it was making a mistake and i made made my feelings very clear and i look back on that i remember putting the phone down and thinking well maybe i went a bit too far there because um you know i, I had this relationship with the, with the premier league and fbl and people behind the game but i was maybe expressing my 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 concerns a bit too firmly but then you know years later i was working with for them uh, on a full-time capacity and, and i think in a way they they saw that passion in me and realized that i really cared about the game which is one of the reasons why i ended up working with them you know almost full-time um so i'm definitely passionate about fbl um and it and i want it to be the best game out there and i want it to keep going and get stronger um i would say i'm obsessive because clearly i am um you know i when it comes to managing my team i i try and delve into days where i watch a lot of football i try and make sure i find marginal gains where i can um so i'm you know it, it's it's not a normal hobby it, it is really my only hobby nowadays um i used to be into music heavily but not so much now um fbl just takes up my time and i just want to do more fbl content and be part of the community i'm really enjoying that part of it so it's definitely an obsession of mine and and bold i would say i think i'm i'm seen as a manager who makes some decisions that can be seen as quite odd sometimes um and well you went yeah. for Grealish before everybody before yeah. before he became the flavor yeah i you was called, you called it early it was, on it, it was fortunate that one maybe because i was <laughs> it was between barnes and Grealish, and at first i thought i made the wrong mistake so yeah i i and i'm sure over the course of this season i'll make some decisions and people go what the hell is he doing and that often happens and sometimes they come off and sometimes they don't so i think yeah passionate obsessive and bold are probably the three words i would use to sum up how i am as an fbl manager so mark a couple of questions together continuing with the tactics bit and you know with your with your style as a manager what what are your tactics when you're setting up your game team uh, your game week team and like when do you typically make your transfers has corona and the situation changed it for you and like captain decisions etc when do you usually make those um yeah i mean i'm i'm quite um governed by team value i find that to be quite an important factor of the game um and you know, I, I tend to immediately the game week starts. I'm already looking ahead to the next one because I always think that, you know, that once the game week deadline's gone, there's nothing you can do at that point. You know, there's no there's no skill or effect you can have. Whatever happens is down to the is down to the, the fortune you have with your decisions. So, you know, come 11 o'clock, I'm already picking my team for the next game week and thinking about right, what do I need to do? Who's my captain going to be? And who's where does my transfer have to be? So. That's what I tend to do. My tactics are normally like immediately start looking forward, immediately start planning. Um, you know, because as I said, there's nothing you can do once deadline passes for that week. So, yeah, often I will, by the end of Saturday, have an idea about players I want to bring in. It might be someone who's impressed that day. And whether or not I make an early transfer will depend on how the price fluctuations are going. Um, I'll be looking at players in my team going down in price. And if they're, you know, if they are going to drop, that could be something that governs an early transfer. Um, for example, you know, I've, I've done Jimenez to Kane already, um, which some people would say is folly because Spurs are playing on Thursday, but I don't think Kane plays, so I don't think it's too much of a risk. And I often like to have quite a strong bench so that I can make early transfers. So if it does go wrong, I've got a sub, which I'm not worried about coming on. Sometimes it costs me, but 
I think that over the course of a season, if you make early transfers for the first maybe 15 game weeks, your team value will benefit. And and people say that, oh, well, you know, team value, when does it actually come into things? Well, we do have two wild cards and we have a free hit. So there is actually three opportunities where team value can make a difference. It's not just one anymore. We've got two wild cards and the free hit as well. So I, I always think it's an important aspect of the game. So I will risk early transfers um, to do that. But yeah, captain decisions, I'm normally making that either a couple of weeks ahead or certainly the, the week before. You know, I'm already looking at my next team um, at one minute past 11, if you like. I find it therapeutic as well. I find that, you know, if you're having a bad game week, already setting up your team for the next one is a way of looking forward and rather than kind of being obsessive about a bad game week. That's yeah, come. absolutely. As soon as as soon as I'm able to, I'll log on and, and set up my team for next week and, and start looking at the matchups and see what I absolutely agree with you. And not not amount of praying or anything will help with the teams. You just rely then on this on what happens. You know, that's when the luck comes in. Yeah. Right? But yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. So I mean, so that's that's it. I mean, I am I am quite um, forward thinking, but and I do it quickly. I don't I don't I don't you know, wait until Friday night to start looking at my team or transfers. And, you know, every evening I'm checking the price rises to see and monitor how they're going, particularly if I've got a transfer in mind. So I'm quite on it. And, you know, as you would expect, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, we didn't expect any less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually sort of in a, a similar vein, really, our next question. Um, so obviously we've already covered that you're quite bold um, and probably more prone to taking gambles or, or riskier decisions. Mm. Um, what's your approach in terms of taking hits? You know, are you comfortable taking hits if you feel justified or making perhaps riskier lineup and, and captaincy decisions? Yeah, I mean, I, I I take quite a lot of hits early on. I think over a season, I'll probably make between 12, 15 hits, um, which is probably too many for some people. But I, I, I rarely regret them. Um, and, you know, you, you saw people taking minus eights this week and ended up with 100 points. It can it can really pay off. I mean, I think if you're taking a hit, you're you're giving yourself more than one decision to make. And if you back yourself as someone who makes good decisions, why wouldn't you take why wouldn't you take hits to make more decisions if they're going to be good? Now, not always are they good. Sometimes they're lousy. But, you know, being a good FBL manager is about making good decisions. So for the cost of minus four, I get to make another choice. And sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't. So I think hits are I see them as an opportunity, not as a as a problem area. Um, but it depends on the game week and it depends on what's on offer. Um, you know, in some game weeks, I look at it and think, well, there's no there's no need to take a hit here. And sometimes you think, well, I'm better off rolling the transfer because then I can have two to the following week and maybe I can make free transfers because I like doing that. I like to roll a transfer. And when I've got two free transfers, I add a third one for a four point hit and suddenly you can make free changes. And that's quite a, a significant kind of refresh of the team. So, yeah, I, I, I like taking hits. Um, I, I prefer taking them when the wild card is already played because that makes it easier. When you've got your wild card and you're taking hits, you kind of think, well, why am I taking a hit? Why don't I just play the wild card? So I often like to get the wild card out of the way to give myself a bit more freedom to, to use hits as and when I need them. Very interesting. I like it. Um, the uh, This is our Dini question, Mark. So, um mm -hmm. Yeah, Mars has a bit of an issue with Troy Deeney in terms of he's never really worked out for him in FBL. Whenever he selected <laughs> him, he gets sent off. Trolling, but, uh, yeah. yeah, he's a troll. But it, is there any players or teams that you like to avoid um, in FBL when you're picking, or are you just pretty much going for the best player? 
Um, I don't. I hate rotation. I really hate rotation. So Man City are a problem for me. Which uh, <laughs> Man City are not the team you want as a team you avoid, obviously. So um, I just, I just, I don't know about you guys, but like leading up to kickoff, I don't want the anxiety of is my player going to be on the team sheet. I just don't. I mean, it's you know, FPL can make you anxious enough without having to worry about it before the games have even kicked off. So um, I. I've always gone Kane over Aguero for that reason, because Aguero, since Jesus has arrived several years ago, has always Aguero's always been a rotation risk to some degree. And so I would say the player that I don't get on with is Aguero for that reason, which is bizarre. And I spoke about it recently that how have I got away with not having Aguero? And I do, because Kane's always been there as the alternative and he's been pretty effective as that. Um, and certainly he's a, he's, reborn now which is great so so i would say it's man city and, and aguero for the reason is that i just don't want to deal with pep's rotation I, I find it really frustrating and um you know i don't want to make a decision on a player then find that for some reason pep's decided to bench them and i had that last year with sterling a few times and you know he benched sterling for the eight nil against watford i mean <laughs> you know that was just ridiculous. Frustrating. But yeah. that's that's the worst part though of um of the rotation thing is you know when these big teams because you know when you're looking ahead and you're looking at yeah like you said there watford you're looking at the plum fixtures but the problem is then if pep goes um that's the fixture i can rest uh, my player in and all of a sudden you've mm. been waiting all this time and planning your captain picks or around that player and all of a sudden Pep does um, does Pep things and plays and you end up playing Pep Roulette as, as has been a phrase on Twitter it's, it's definitely the, the way to describe it and losing yes uh, yes yeah, so, so, sometimes I fancy it sometimes I go right I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work Pep out and I'll sit there and I'll look at his patterns of selection and, and it's just useless because yeah. he, he doesn't really stick to any pattern at all I, don't, I mean obviously he has he's got his own yeah. you know he's got his own sports scientist no doubt looking at data and telling him and informing his decisions but we haven't got access to that so it's kind of guesswork and and when you're dealing with players at man city you're talking about aguero and sterling who cost a fortune so you can't really you know it's really frustrating when they miss out so and we're lucky you know we've got players like kane salah and mané to an extent who are kind of fixed uh, rotation proof they're going to be there and you know that's why i favor them over city players especially this season with all the goals flying and it's brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant yeah so uh mark nostalgia question um if you had to choose one player, past or present, to have in your FPL and nostalgia, think, I'm, I'm thinking about the past, but you could you could pick present, obviously. Uh, who would it be? It's funny. I I, I was watching um, an old highlight reel of this player recently, and you forget how good he was. Um, and this is going back to my uh, crush on Arsenal, I guess. But it would be Henri, probably. Um, I just think Henri was a right, player yeah. that. Uh, just could do anything um you know he would get assists he would score simple goals but he would score goals which get you out of your chair and you know i i had him in fantasy at the time and again didn't really appreciate him and but i looked at some highlights of his goals recently and i'm like wow you know even by today's standards you know footballers today are incredible athletes they're amazing talented players but Henri was just something else i think um you know, I don't think there's been a player like him in the Premier League since, and whether there will be, we don't know. But I just think he would be, you know, a player like that. It's just fantastic to have in your fancy team because you you just don't know where you know, his points are going to come from anywhere. He could do anything, and um, yeah, oh, it would definitely be on for me. Oh, it's a good choice. 
All right. So next question. Um, and this is, I suppose, uh, an interesting one in in light of what you were talking about earlier with uh, FF Scout and coming back into the community in a different sort of a fashion as, as more of a fan again. Um, but what do you like best about being part of the FPL community? And also, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how FPL Black Box came to be? Yeah, um, I think it's when I was doing Scout, and this is another reason why, you know, stepping away has, has changed things for me, because when I was you know, when I was doing Scout, I kind of had built a community of itself. You know, it was it had comments and the comment traffic was very busy. And, you know, Twitter wasn't a thing. I remember one of the guys who was helping me out at the time encouraged me to get on Twitter and we opened an account. But I didn't really kind of know what it was and how to use it. I kind of used it back then for just promoting the site, which obviously businesses do all the time now. And it's a fair use of it. But I didn't really venture onto Twitter. I didn't my my experience of the FBL community was just Scout and what went on at Scout, you know, that community. And in a way, what was going on outside of Scout was a threat, felt a threat to me. It felt a threat to what I did, my business and and the fact that, you know, my Scout was paying for my mortgage. It was it you know, that's that's where it all escalated. That's where it became not fun anymore. Um so when I stepped away and now I've come back, it just feels so different. It feels like, you know, to be in the community and I've only really got involved with the Twitter community recently it's just I'm loving it you know I, I know it's got its pitfalls and there were people and on match days it can be a bit you know a bit salty sometimes but you know I think most of the time and most of the people in the FPL community are just fantastic there's so much content out there so many people doing stuff that I'm enjoying uh, every week and you know if you play FPL now you can just sit Monday to Friday and soak up this stuff and it's just fantastic I mean I'm just amazed at the stuff that's out there and I'm just loving joining in and being in the conversation and not not being there because I need to because I need to you know I need my business to grow I'm just there for the fun of it now and there's no no agenda there's no side to it I'm just there helping people out and making comments and chipping in and doing my content with with as on black box and and, and black boxes when I I said to my partner, look, I want to I want to start doing some FBL stuff again because she was very wary because Scout had become something, a monster that took over my life. And I had to step back to kind of save my health and, you know, see my kids and my partner again. I had to kind of take take a check on things and put those people first. And so I was very wary about getting back into doing anything because I knew that if I did, it might take over again. But I've made strict rules that Black Box won't become that. Um, you know, we're not we're not doing it for money. We're not doing it for anything other than the love of making FBL content. So I looked around for what I was going to do and I was thinking, shall I do something on my own? And then I noticed that as had done Black Box last season and he put a pilot up for a test to say, look, I'm going to do more of these this season. And I thought to myself, well, you know, as is someone I've always liked and enjoyed working with on the scout cast, he's, you know, a lovely guy and he's very knowledgeable and, you know, he's, he, he's just a great guy to, to be around and he's great fun and stuff. So I felt, you know, he was someone I could work with. And so I just dropped him a light. I literally just emailed him out of the blue. It was about two in the morning, I think. I was just like, I thought, I'm just going to drop him an email and say, look, you know, I see you're going to do Black Box again. Do you fancy doing, you know, getting me involved as well? And fortunately, he said yes. And then it just started from there. And obviously, I've taken it quite seriously. I've gone and 
we did get a logo done and it's quite you know flashy with graphics and stuff like that and we got our own theme tune done we got into it in a big way and that's that's typical of me you know I'm, i say i'm not going to take it seriously but then i <laughs> go and do that um but i've really enjoyed doing that and you know we've just started really i think we've done it's seven shows now and we did our first kind of spontaneous feed on friday and that went down really well we just got together and as was playing his wild card and i just said oh let's go and do a live stream and he did and it was good fun and i just want to keep doing things like that i just want to you know do things spontaneously and talk to people in the community and help a few people out and have fun with it and that's what we're doing and i'm really loving it that's, it's quite that's fun. brilliant yeah. i really like the small video clips that you guys put out because it could it's it's a long show and, and, yeah. and that's fair but with that, with that amount of pods and the content that we have it's really nice to just go, get those clips and sometimes it gets you in the mood you're like right i need to watch this i need to yeah. watch that bit and then you end up watching i, I realize that i end up watching most of it you know so <laughs> but it's really nice to get those clips out it, it helps uh, if you want to like focus on on a small part mm. sorry Donna. no no it was i was only saying it's lovely to hear um the rediscovering kind of the connection of you know why why you first kind of got into yeah into fantasy football and and the love of it and even like that the interactions because i think we all know if we've used you know social media for work that it can you know it it can it feels completely different when you're just doing it mm. your, own, your own voice and having your own fun and i i personally have found like since you've been back on i noticed when you came back on that it, like because all of a sudden i was seeing your tweets up and you know funny tweets and having a bit of crack um mm. and uh, yeah no it's great to see um and uh and long may continue but um mark tell me now uh, you can go back to if you want when you first kind of set up as you said the the twitter account to to kind of just, I guess, promote Scout. But um, what would be the first five FPL accounts you followed and you still follow on Twitter? So um, you can, like I said, you can go back to the beginning, or you can think in the more recent times when you started getting involved again. Yeah, well, can I can I give you two sets then? Because I mean, back in the day, you know, I I looked back and I saw my first five accounts were people that meant a lot to me at the time and really helped me with the business. Um, it wasn't a business then; it was just a hobby, and these guys were just um, you know around me and just they came to the site and they commented a lot and they went on to be part of the team um you know there's andy goddard who was the first one of the first people that i contacted who's still out there playing fbl now he's, he's probably the true maverick manager he's a leicester fan and he um he did very well that season when leicester won the title there's of course granville who we've mentioned um mark worth who was pure olivia at the time he built the fixture ticker which is still going now as a tool that you know every site has a fixture ticker but mark and i built that um from scratch um he was a great coder and i met him on the site and he did that for me for free i didn't pay him at all it was you know amazing he used to give me his time and then paul mckinnon who's still working at scout um still writing stuff for the premier league and you know he was um he was a fantastic help for me back in the day. And he's a great writer, um, great knowledge of FPL, and he's still there. And then Joe Lepo, of course, John T, who's, who's still there then uh, now. And these are people that I owe a lot to. Um, you know, it's um, I'm getting quite emotional. Um, it's quite difficult. But, yeah, it's they they helped me so much back in the day. And so I'm they still be, following They became now. your amigos, kind of, uh, as, as that's yeah, what we started the show. It's so brilliant to hear the emotion, Mark. It really is. Like you can hear how emotional you are about it and how much these 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 lot mean to you, which is which is great. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. You know, that's how things come about together with through people and then you become friends. I mean, I didn't know these two guys before we we started this. I was just a guest on Don's pod. We became friends, and the rest was history. And then Kylie joined us on one, 
and we decided we want her on as well. It's it's fantastic, isn't it? Like you become friends afterwards, yeah. I was yeah. so lucky to meet the right people at the right time, and um, all of them are brilliant. And then there's more that I haven't mentioned, but they were the first five that I followed. And then and then I look back a couple of years to when you know I started using Twitter a bit more as I do now and the the first accounts that I followed were FPL General we've already mentioned Mark who's a great manager FPL Family who I just think what they do is amazing um who got the assist as well I followed them really early on Planet FPL who are a recent discovery um uh, who, yeah their work is just astonishing and and the always cheating guys which as we know are just quality podcasters and those five I would pick out as recent guys that i followed and i can't see a day where i won't follow those guys you know, top accounts we uh we know uh, yeah obviously we're not we're not all of them uh, i personally met most of the guys that you mentioned yeah absolutely no F- fantastic fantastic people there's a lot of good people like you said in the community like every community there's the the odd one that we just can mute and block that's the beauty of uh of twitter or sometimes just laugh laugh at them and and, and move along yeah, uh, yeah absolutely yeah. Right now we're done with FPL, Mark. Now we're gonna get into the fun, <laughs> into the fun yeah. part and 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 and, and relax even more. So I'm interested about this question because when we asked Jules, you made a comment uh, about about her her choice of uh, uh, pudding with the person that she chose. With with uh, you, you thought uh, posh spice was too posh for bread and butter pudding. So I'm looking yeah, forward never to never going to happen. Was it? No, never. And, and this is, I can this... imagine. I can imagine Victoria Beckham eating can bread you and butter. Can into bread and butter? I mean, what's, never. What's I mean, Jules clearly, clearly wanted, and I think she said her and Bob were just going to have all the bread and butter pudding. <laughs> she, she so, for, so there was an forgot. ulterior motive there. She forgot <laughs> about the third person. He was literally just there yeah. for the bus because it was, was a comedian. Who was it? Was it, was, it was Bob Marley it was and McIntyre. Was it McIntyre? It was a comedian, but I can't remember. Re- remember who? Maybe. Michael McIntyre. Michael McIntyre. This question is the one I've had to give most thought to. This question is the, the standout question. So whatever you do, never get rid of this question. It's fantastic. No, and that's a credit to Don. He he came up with it, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And so uh, I, I had two approaches to this. I could either go for my heroes um, and then, you know, Brian Clough, I would say, um, Bill Hicks, the American comedian, massive hero of mine, um, both dead, of course. But, you know, I, I kind of looked and thought, I don't want them at a dinner party because – I don't think it would go well with personalities like that. So I, I wanted to look at it as in, typically, I wanted to pick personalities that were going to work for my party. Well, I wanted to go well. Don't I? I don't want to, you know, I don't want an evening with, with any ruckus going on. So, <laughs> so I, my first guess is probably one that you've had before. I imagine I can't believe you wouldn't have done because this guy is just someone I find incredibly likable, but also he's someone who can keep the guests entertained while I'm in the kitchen getting everything together. Uh, that's Louis Ferrou, who is just. Brilliant. I mean, we've I never we've like never had him, but I would love to have him as never well. Had him. He's yeah. so good. No, he's brilliant. Such a yeah. good pick. I mean, I don't. You've never had him as a guest. No one's ever said him before. Has no. Him? Well, and he like, he'd get on he'd get on well with everyone. Literally, you couldn't put anyone in yeah. the dinner party, and he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to talk to them. So he's the glue, really. Like, he'd, he'd be just. I fantastic. have to ask, Mark. Yeah. Mark, uh, I, you're in the kitchen cooking, so you're not you're not getting this catered. You're you're in there cooking yourself. Uh, because when you see what I'm putting together, it's quite a it's quite a personal menu, right? So <laughs> I, 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 
And it's not posh, right? So I'll give you the theme of the party in a minute when I've got talked with the guests. But Louis Fru's first. So I'd, I'd, I'd invite him slightly earlier so I could you know, have a quick chat to him and, and get him warmed up for the other two guests. And, I, I, you know, I, he'd play a vital part in keeping the party going while I'm, you know, keep the conversation going. Because he's, he's, he's always asking questions. He's always, he, he can reveal interesting things about anybody as well. Because he's got that way about him, hasn't he, where you kind of relax around him. And then suddenly, before you know it, you're telling him about your secrets and stuff. And I just find it fascinating, his methods. He's a lot, you know, I think he plays the Columbo quite well. You know, he comes across as I'm a bit bumbly. I'm a bit, I'm not as, not that intelligent, but actually he's incredibly intelligent and very, very good at what he does. Um, so Louis would definitely be there. Uh, Jarvis Cocker would be my second guest. Um, I'm massively into my music. Um, Jarvis Cocker, I first saw Pulp in, I looked tonight when it was. I remember the gig very well. It was in 1991 and they were bottom of the bill um, at the Town and Country Club in London. And I was right at the front for Pulp because there was only like 100 people in the audience at that time. It was really early on in the gig and I was right near the front. And I first saw Jarvis come on and this band I'd never seen before. Um, and I was just mesmerised by him. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing he was even then you know with an audience of 100 people uh, 7 7 p.m on an evening with two other bands to come on afterwards he put on a show he was just amazing and I just just couldn't believe what I was seeing and fell in love with the band and fell in love with him and um, he's just a really interesting guy and someone that I think I you know I've met him a couple of times and he's always been pleasant and I think he's someone I definitely want at the party um, for all kinds of reasons but Jarvis would be there and then the third person would be someone I've discovered recently who's into fancy football, you wouldn't think, uh, Jennifer Saunders. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I no. listened to a podcast. No way. Yeah, I listened to a podcast she's doing with she, her and Dawn French are doing a podcast now called, um, I can't remember, it's Titting About, right? They've got a podcast called Titting About. It's exclusive on all, um, Amazon, I think. But my partner played it. And in the first episode, they're talking about obsessions. Uh, and Jennifer Saunders is obsessed with football and fancy football. And so having learned that, I want somebody there I can talk fantasy football about. But also I'm I'm a big fan of that era of comedy and and, and, and what Jennifer's done. And I think she'd be really interesting as well. So Louis Ferru, Jarvis and Jennifer Saunders, I think it'd be a great, great dinner party. Interesting mix for sure. Yeah. And, and the theme would be Ab Abigail's party. So I'd serve prawn cocktail. A roast chicken dinner and black forest gatto. It'd be a 70s kind of menu. 70s. Yeah, with an Irish coffee afterwards. So it'd be, it'd be real comfort food, real Abigail's party menu. And with those three, I think it'd be a, an interesting night. So it wouldn't be a dull moment. And I'd say there's some amount of stories to be told with that group at the table. Mm. Loads, right? They've been around a bit. They've they've seen a lot, and um, they have lots to tell. Uh, they've been far more interested than me, for sure, because I'd just be going on about Jennifer's fancy football team, which wouldn't last. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you'd be asking the same questions we all would be, uh, finding out that she's uh, potentially as obsessed as we all are. Um, all right, so another one, and um, this is, uh, I guess, slightly similar sort of question. So if your house was on fire and you could only save one non-living item, obviously, so family are okay, the dogs are okay, um, one non-living item, what would you grab? Only one. 
Uh, <laughs> it's kind of tricky. I'll probably go for my records. Now, bizarrely, my records, uh, my vinyl's all in the loft at the moment because we don't really have anywhere to store it other than up there. And obviously, digital, you don't need access to your LPs. But I'd probably try and save as many of those as I could because I've got some rare ones uh, up there in the loft. <laughs> so why I keep them in a the loft, I don't know. Really yeah, it's not a great spot no, for them to not. be in a fire. But the thing is, the, the thing is about records... Um, you know, you can remember where you were when you bought it. You can remember where you were when you heard it. You can remember the people you were with. It's just music and, and LPs in particular just have that ability to take you back. And, yeah, um, I would definitely try and save them if I could. And, and there's, there's some that I would look to save more than others. <laughs> I've got some bad records, but I've got I've got quite a few good ones that I'd want to keep from burning. That's for sure. Awesome. Brilliant stuff. Um, do you have any special skill, Mark, outside of your job and being decent at FBL? We say decent because we do have varying <laughs> levels of uh, FBL manager on the podcast, you know? That's right. Yeah, of course. Um, the only thing I can think of was when I was um, when I was young, very young, I was um, pretty good at pool. Um, so when I was 14, I was playing in adult teams and uh, I got to a level where I was playing, um, you know, kind of county level I was pretty high up um and I had to kind of lie about my age and I, so I had to stop playing at that level and just going back to playing in pubs and clubs but I used to basically go around pubs and clubs in the country playing for pool teams at 14 years old trying to pretend I was 16 um because I was yeah I was pretty good then um and now it's funny because my obviously my eyes aren't what they used to be but I think if I went and got a pair of Dennis Taylor glasses you know those ones where you got the lens at the time I reckon I could still be pretty good but I just can't be bothered to put the time in now um but every now and then I pick up a cue and it takes me back to those days when you know basically what it was is my dad was um spent a lot of time at his football club he was secretary of a non-league club and they had a pool table and to be around my dad I just used to go with him and the best thing I could do was play pool. And so I had like a six foot table at home since I was eight years old. So I was pretty good at snooker on that six foot table. When I discovered pool, I was like, oh, this is a game that I can play grown ups on on a six foot table. And I just played and played and played and I got to a pretty good level. Um, but then, you know, things took over. Um, uh, when I went to uni, uh, I, I got into music and then obviously FBL came along. So it was something I put to the wayside. But I could have been a contender. Uh, I, just was no, I, I was no good on a 12-foot snooker table. If only I was good at snooker, I could yeah, have made but a lot of that. I think at the next uh, FBL uh, community meetup, uh, just everyone just be aware, don't don't challenge Mark to a uh, game of pool for money. Because, well, yeah, uh, it's funny. When I, when I play now, because my eyes are bad, I can't play with my glasses on. So for the first hour, I'm pretty useless. And then my eyes start adjusting and I start being good again. So actually, people do say, you're just hustling me. And I'm not really. It's just I can't see for the first hour. Yeah, that's, what, then, all, that's what all the hustlers that's say. That's, what, that's, that's the usual line, yeah. Honestly. Okay. So, Mark, you said you're really big into your music. So would love would love to know what's uh, – and you mentioned the band, obviously, but, you know, are they your favourite band? And uh, – you into movies what's your favorite movie and obviously in lockdown we've all been uh, all over netflix and and amazon so do you have a program that's like you know your favorite recently yeah i mean i'm, I'm a big consumer of all this media to be honest um <laughs> yeah music wise i mean my heyday was in the 90s when i was at uni in north london which was you know it's right in the middle of the kind of um shoegazing scene and then manchester scene came in and it was amazing times the early 90s to mid 90s for music and I was right you know that was when I was at university and 
I was, I mean, to be honest, the third year, I, 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 um, I just followed bands around the country in my third year. How I got my degree, I don't know. Um, I got, I got to know a band called the Frank and Walters from Cork, which is why I mentioned Cork. And I toured with them basically and met a load of other bands through that. Um, yeah, the Frank and Walters at the time were quite big. They had a top 10 hit and, um, they had, you know, Radiohead famously supported the Franks once. And I went on the tour with the Franks and so I was, kind of backstage with Radiohead in the early days this is I think they they'd released Creep once the first time but I hadn't released it the second it was the second time it came out that it became massive and I remember back in the day we used to sit in the dressing room and we heard them obviously they were opening every performance and they played Creep and we used to go out and go oh here we go they've got one song let's go out and hear their one song and they played Creep and then I used to give out flyers to the gigs with the Greenwood brothers. I used to be outside. I used to help them out giving out flyers. And I, I generally did not see the potential in Radiohead. I look back on that and gone, I could have got to know that band. And <laughs> and so, you know, crazy days um, when I was at uni and mixing it with those kind of people. And then, you know, they weren't my favourite band, I wouldn't say, Radiohead. And the Franks, I loved them and they were my favourite band at the time. But my all-time favourite band, The Pavement, um, the American band, um, really into kind of that kind of um, slacker rock, if you like. And Pavement, when they came along, were just nothing I'd ever heard before. It was REM before that, um, when I was um, when I was younger. Um, you know, my favourite ever Christmas was when I'd asked for all the REM albums for Christmas. I'd discovered them. There was a programme called America's Top Ten back in the day, and that's how I discovered. I heard Stand on that, which was on the Green album. And I just thought what is this is amazing and i realized that rem had like six or seven albums out at the time so i just got them one christmas and that was the best christmas ever i just sat up in my room listening to rem for days yeah and then and then pavement came along in about 1990 and you know i've seen them 40 50 times um astonishing band and um, it's regrettable actually because they were they were reforming to play Primavera during lockdown. It was meant to be this June just gone, and it's been put back a year. So I've still got the ticket, and I'm hoping to go out to Barcelona to see them um, again. Reform. They reformed ten years ago. They've reformed again. So the, I just think they're an incredible band. So they're the bands that I really love. Um, in terms of films, yeah, I'm really into Woody Allen films and Hitchcock films. My favourite all-time film is Twelve Angry Men though um i don't know if you've seen it it's um it's only 90 minutes it's um set in one room and it's about a jury and uh henry fonda okay. um i haven't seen it i haven't yeah seen it it's it's basically henry fonda is the only one on the jury who thinks the man is innocent and he spends the entire film talking the other 11 people round. um spoiler there but he does talk them round. but it's just an incredible kind of study of human behavior and and personalities and various themes really all running through it but it's you know it's very claustrophobic um but yeah it's a film that really resonated with me and i still watch it now i've watched it hundreds of times so if you haven't seen it i definitely recommend he basically wears them down isn't it like they're like wanting to get out of the yeah. room and he's gone no and he keeps on going at them and at them and at them it's just an astonishing film and and what i'm watching during lockdown i've just finished succession which is probably the best thing i've seen for five years yeah. Oh, it's just astonishing. And I've just started Ozark, um, so we're only on episode two. So I don't know how good that's going to be, but I've heard good things about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really into box sets. I mean, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Succession, I would say, is sensational. If you haven't seen it, see that. I mean, I'm, I haven't I'm, seen I'm, it, but it's on my list for right. sure. I'm one of those annoying people that 
always insist that you watch what I've just watched. So you don't, <laughs> don't want to be around me. Well, gonna, like, you will enjoy you will enjoy Ozark. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm one of those people that is very slow. I only recently watched uh, Breaking Bad and I loved it. Yeah, but well, I'm very I, slow. I mean, he's never watched that. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not, not going to watch that. No, I haven't watched a single episode of Game of Thrones. No. Nah. Right. See, me and Mark, <laughs> same level, yeah? Just not the same level at like FDL. <laughs> just, there's just so, much, just so much to consume. And, you know, obviously, it's, it's weird. Lockdown has been hard. But I said to my partner at the time, you know, we're lucky. We've got all this entertainment piped into our into our houses and you know i'm into video games as well i work in the video game industry that's what my job is um you know i'm a games producer and i'm lucky to have that it's a brilliant job and so you know uh, video games is another passion of mine and you know i've got video games i've got i've got netflix i've got my music and i've got fbl i'm quite happy to be honest <laughs> it could be could be worse things actually um so have you seen the tv show what is it called is it criminal is that what yes, criminal, criminal UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking. Uh, you you mentioned Twelve Angry Men and that that format of sort of being trapped in a room. Um, and you're really it's just all about the acting then, really, isn't it? Because you're just seeing that person's face for the whole, you know, forty minutes or whatever of the, yeah, the TV yeah. show, and it kind of similar format, I guess. Yeah, I really enjoyed that as well. It is, it has got a similar vibe actually, because you've got like the police have got their own little plot going on in the back room and the relationships between them. And then you've got this claustrophobic situation in the, in the obviously the interrogation room. I, I love crime stuff. I mean, Jules talked about her crime stuff and yeah, I'm, I'm, mine's the same. We, anything with serial killers in, I'm, I'm onto it straight All away. over it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, um, in the line of duty, I mean, line of duty rather just to start a shin. I love, love that. And I've, I've watched the entire thing back three times and uh, i just love all that kind of stuff so i mean there's so much and so i'm quite happy with all that so yeah you you've got a load of entertainment uh lined up there to to see through winter then which isn't too bad um okay so our last last question for you then tell us one guilty pleasure or and i guess one bad habit that you have uh, right. Well, our guilty pleasure has got to be bad TV. Um, I, I do as well as the stuff I've mentioned. I, you know, to my for my sins, I still watch you know things like Strictly and uh, yeah, and and um, X Factor and stuff like that. I do. Yes, I, Mark. Yes, that. there's nothing wrong I, with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. We have to we have to relax and. Yeah, Mark. I, w- I would advise you. I'd advise you to stop talking about this right now, or else you're going to look outside. You'll open your curtains, and Mars will be standing there outside looking in at you. He's he he, he feels that he's kindred spirit with anyone who likes that kind of uh, trash TV. You yeah, know, the... I, yeah. I I just you know it just washes over you. you don't have to take exactly. It's unappreciated when you're under yeah. so much pressure. Sometimes I want to watch a program that I don't have to think about or makes I'm... me sometimes feel better about myself yeah. because well, yeah. actually on the on this question we we did unveil uh, a few pods ago. Um, that there's an underground FPL uh, DM group chat on Twitter all about Love Island. Well, yeah. <laughs> I draw the line at Love Island, to be honest. I watched, I watched it last year and I, 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 Love Island divides me a bit. I do enjoy the kind of like interplay between people, but it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'll go back to Love Island, to be honest. Yeah, there's a line. Exactly. Well, yeah. I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So, yeah, we sound like we're on the same. So we're into the same stuff. Yeah, it's just yeah. like 
I, I just I haven't eaten, you know, Bake Off. I love Bake Off and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I'm all about the cooking competitions. That's mine. Is anything yeah. that calls itself a cooking competition TV show, yeah. I'm all over it. I even watch the sewing one. You know, what's going on? You know, I, I just just like all that. And, and, and also, I, I think I, I remember growing up with a lot of 70s and 80s sitcoms, and there aren't many sitcoms around these days. But I still like looking back at that, you know, 40 Towers and Rising Damp and stuff like that, which probably isn't even appropriate now. You, some of the episodes you couldn't show these days. But I, I grew up and it reminds me of my childhood and it makes me feel you know, I feel comforted watching that stuff. And I think that's what I get from watching this, the trashy TV nowadays. You just feel comfortable. You just feel cozy watching it. And it, it doesn't stretch you in any way, but that's what you want at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and what about a bad habit? Um, oh, that's, that's really difficult. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I have quite a lot of bad habits, I imagine. Um, you ought to get my partner on at this point. Um, you know, I bite my nails and, you know, I, I kind of um, I don't snore, I don't think, although she probably won't confirm that. But, you know, I, I think my, my main habit is just being a warrior, really. Um, you know, I, I'm just ridiculous. I will have fears about things that I, I shouldn't even be worried about and thinking about i apart my job is as a games producer is is about anticipating risks and looking ahead and spotting things that could go wrong so actually that trait is really useful in that job but in life it, you know when i was running my business you can imagine what i was like i was a nervous wreck and ultimately that probably contributes to the fact of me stepping away because i couldn't i couldn't deal with that so i think being a warrior yeah it can have its benefits but generally it's not a great trait to have so that's probably my worst habit Fair enough. Okay, so that's all we have time for for tonight's episode. Um, join us in thanking Mark, and we hope you have the best of luck this season. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on the pod with us tonight. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed that. It was really good. So uh, thanks for having me on. It was brilliant getting to know you, Mark. Thanks a million. Great chat, Mark. Yeah, fantastic. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we.